0: What's up, Slick Talkers? I want to promote a quick little thing that we're doing at Good Morning Hospitality called Good Morning Retreats. This is our first ever retreat, and we are hosting a hospitality training retreat at the Horst Schultz Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. Now, this is going to be July 8th through the 10th and it's for operators only. So if you're a property manager and you want to actually dive into the inner workings of providing hospitality and not just the operations of your business, then this is what you need to do and sign up for. So go to goodmorningretreats.com in order to get into an intimate setting with other operators just like you. If you go to the website, you'll see the published agenda and other things around the whole retreat. We're excited to host you. And if you're going to the retreat already and you've already confirmed your spot, we can't wait to show you what we have up our sleeves for this event. Now let's move on to the episode. Thanks for tuning in. And like always, I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast.
1: There is enough for everybody. There is enough for everybody. This kind of, I think this scarcity mentality, I think kind of tends to pervade things. We don't have to feel that way. We can be abundant. There is abundance. There is every, like there is enough for everybody. And so we feel like if we can do those two types of things, have an incredible traveler experience, and then have an incredible property manager experience. How can not we win? Like, how can't we win? And then how can everybody win? And I know that it sounds kumbaya, but why can't that be the case in a, in a business? Why, right? I, you know, I, I just, I find that if everybody is, is fired up about something, I think in the long-term effect of it is that it, I don't know, it just, it provides a lot for a lot of different people and could be a really good thing. And so that's kind of what our mentality is.
0: What's up slick talkers? I want to do dynamic duo sponsorship placements for our partners and the best dynamic duos I could put together for you are our first one of Hostfully and Minute. Now you probably heard our Minute with Minute segment with Nathan Smith over at Minute. If I could say Minute a thousand times, then I will, but basically if you are using Hostfully's property management platform, then you can go to their integration marketplace and turn on your integration with Minute. So that way everything is operating seamlessly in your hub to run your business without any issues and headaches. It just is so nice to have proper integration partners together. And I couldn't be more thankful for these two partnering with us on the podcast. So make sure you check out the show notes because we have special offers just for you from both companies, hostfully and minute, because you're a listener of the podcast and they love taking care of our listeners. So Check out the links in the show notes and of course like always thank you for tuning into the podcast all right slick talkers we are back for a, another episode and i'm super excited because man i had to i had a good time i'd pull myself away from your booth many times alex at the travel net conference because yeah. i just wanted to shoot the shit and and talk to you and goof around and have a good time but you have quite the story. So, Alex, I wanted to jump in. One, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. And two...
1: Always, always wanted to come on the show, Will. So, I appreciate it. And you're right. At the track conference, it's just like when two, when two goofy idiots <laughs> meet each other. It's like like a match made in heaven we we're just idiots for like an hour and a half just being yeah idiots. i was like man i can't believe the amount of
0: people that have walked by us when we're having this conversation and been like what the hell are these guys talking about <laughs> this has nothing to do with vacation rentals so yeah no, not no. one not one thing so alex uh my man you are one of the co-founders of Wimstay you work on the partnerships and growth side and working with the operators that put their amazing inventory on your guys awesome platform i want to hear though before we cover the Wednesday journey and starting you know ideation you have an interesting background you have the background of being an actor And as your guest form said, let me hang on. Let me quote this really quick because it was it was amazing. Uh Alex was a New York Uh stage actor for 12 years until the romance of eating beans and doing Shakespeare Mm -hmm. in a parking lot wore off and decided to try his hand in his hometown techscape. So bring me back to this moment. What what got you into to acting in New York and and going, you know, after 12 years back to back to tech?
1: Yeah. You know, I, so my family is filled. We're all it's lawyers and politicians, like lawyers and San Francisco politicians, kind of what makes up the, the landscape of my family. And so I think being an actor seems kind of like a, a, a probably a logical next step. You know, if you don't feel like going to law school and I didn't, and you certainly don't want to be a politician, which I don't know, then I think acting seemed to make the most sense. And, and it was something that I really loved doing. So I went to college, I went to a university that I had always wanted to go to, but there was no chance I was ever going to get into it, the University of Michigan, because I just wasn't an awesome student. And it's a really good school and one of those weird places that ever since I was a kid, I wanted to go there. I don't know why. And I, t- I learned about junior, senior year in high school that they had a really good theater program and 80% of the application is, is your audition. And I was like, well, this sounds pretty good. And, and a 3.0 ain't getting me into Michigan. So at any rate, I went that route, but I'd always really wanted to become an actor. I I did. Studied uh, theater for four years at Michigan. Let me tell you, studying theater in college is like a dream. I didn't touch the library for four years, so that was nice. And then uh, I get to New York, and being a theater actor is not quite I don't know if people think that being an actor is a glamorous thing to do. It's it's not, you know, it, it's very sort of blue collar in a way. I had a very successful career, one that I can look back on and be really, really, really proud of. Worked at really good theaters, worked with incredible people, great playwrights and all this. I, I got to a point, I think around 2008, actually it was a meeting I had with my my agent at the time. And I was probably in there bitching about not getting enough work or something. And, and so I go to him and I'm like, David, like what, what's going on? And he goes, Hey, look, like, here's something you've got to understand. You have to be okay. I think it was maybe 28, 29, you've got to understand that what this life entails is you have to be okay with being 45 years old, maybe living paycheck to paycheck and living in a five-story walk up in midtown Manhattan. Like you kind of have to be okay with that. If this is something you want to do. And I, and and I had had, I worked at successful theaters and that was kind of my life. And I thought in my mind, it was maybe going to get better. Anyways, my response to him was like, yeah, dude, I'm in, I'm in. And I think the subway home I was like, I am not in. And so I remember the thought that I had was, I will never be able to fly first class on Emirates Air to the Maldives. Like that was the thought that came to my head, right? I think that uh, that, that sort of was the beginning of the decline to get into this. And then what happened was, I think, uh, around 2009, 2010, while my, my beloved giants were in the process of winning their first World Series, I, I decided I'm going to fly home. And, and I had actually had a job at a really great theater in San Francisco. So I come home, and my thought was, I'm going to leave New York for a little while. I'm going to do this play here and, and, and hang out with my family a little bit. But still, the idea of this can't be it. Like I need more from my life. Just couldn't, it just didn't leave my head. So my, my wonderful sister-in-law, Erica was, I think the 10th or the 11th employee at Yelp. Mm. She's sort of a big shot in the, in the tech industry. And she came to me and said, look, like I'll get you an interview at Yelp. And I thought, okay, let's just, why not? And so I took that interview. I got that job. At one point I was doing both at the same time. So I was doing, I was doing sales at, at Yelp from 6am, you know, 7am To 5 p.m. Then I was walking to the theater and doing a show from from 7 to 9. And I did this for about three or four months. And this was actually fantastic. I loved it. But I I started to realize I was really good in sales. And I started to realize that I really liked making the money. And I started to realize what it felt like to be in a startup because it was still very, it was pre-IPO Yelp. It was still sort of the wild west. It was very much like we're building something here. And that energy was an energy I had not felt before. I had felt it a little bit like maybe starting a new play and sort of building and collaborating, but it felt very collaborative. It felt very like new and fresh and energetic. And I was like, I, I can get into this. I like this. And so I, I, it turns out I was, I was pretty good at sales, a lot of it from lessons from acting, right? Not the BSing part, but acting, a uh, really good stage acting requires, I think, a lot of patience and a lot of listening. And because you want to jump your line. You got a laugh line coming and you want to hit that thing, man, because you know everyone's going to laugh and there's nothing better than, than an audience of people laughing at your joke. Not your joke, the playwright's joke, but your delivery of that joke. And, but you have to be patient. You have to listen. And so, they, so every instinct of you that wants to like jump on top of something can. And that has been the greatest sort of, uh, I would say, a lesson for me in terms of sales is you're going to want to start to talk about things like your product and how your product can help people when people don't really necessarily care that much. They want one thing, like they want to know how you can help their business. But the only way that you can ever know that is if you know and you're like consuming what they're telling you so that you can actually take a step back and, and respond to it in a really cogent and intelligent way and say, hey, like maybe this mixes up with what we're doing. Maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, maybe we can work another time. That Kind of a sense of respect, I think, and, and, and trust. So, like that whole sort of thing happened. Anyways, I have worked at the Yelp for a while, went to to Arizona and opened up, helped open up their office, and then came back to San Francisco. Worked at a couple of startups after that, and then I got the call from from Ben and Jim Rossiter to to do this. And and it was, at the time, it's just no brainer to me. I think the first thing I said to Ben when he said suggested what it was, I was like, "So it's basically Hotel Tonight for short term rentals." And I love Hotel Tonight, and I love short-term rentals. Where's the mystery? So, that's kind of that story. Now, there's so
0: much to unpack, and a lot of relatable scenarios. I think between you and I, probably why these two goofballs can chat for an hour and a half at a booth that makes no sense yeah. with with anything that we're talking about.
1: But bees, we talk about bees. <laughs> remember? Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, I remember. That was like I was. I was still <laughs> thinking about that conversation. I'm like, man, is that really? what their life is like that's what they live for that's like a shower thought i have but like okay so there's a couple things i want to i want to bring up and we'll tie into a probably a greater conversation so i know what you mean when it comes to that line delivery right i when i was in high school my senior year i was skeeter in the musical footloose and so not i'm not a main character but a good supporting character and i had one line that One night I actually forgot to say, so somebody else had to say it. And then the next night I was like, I'm never forgetting my line ever again. And I remember adding more to it and making it like an improv moment. And the crowd reaction was just incredible. I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. And it's a drug. It's a a drug. And then my mom and dad were like, Yeah, we hear you sing by yourself. You shouldn't go that route. And I was like, Okay, good point. Good point. (laughs) No more skeeter. No more, no more skeeter. I I'm curious for you because before we get to the whimstay stuff, I love that you mentioned hotel tonight. We had Sam Shank on the episode on the show. Great founder, incredible story, but you know, going into this life of, I love that you mentioned not being like the bullshitter where it comes to the sales and the acting and trying to like be all like sleazy salesman, but actually having more attention to listening and the attention to detail and bringing up real solutions, not just trying to push a product on somebody's throat. So Kind of going from tech sales and acting to now your own business with partners and an industry that I would say it's not a new industry. We all know vacation rentals have been around just as long as hotels, as long as people have been traveling, people have been staying in homes. And this current state of the industry is pretty new, even though Airbnb is IPO'd and all this other stuff, right? Like there's still people discovering short-term rentals for the first time today as this episode is being recorded. So how applicable was your previous lives, we'll call them, to what you're doing now? And if you maybe had one piece of advice or a lesson learned along the way that any founder or an entrepreneur could apply from your experience, what would that be? So
1: I I would say this, like, I I would say that there's a, I think there's a couple of, a couple of things you have to know about your company first, right? Like how is, and I'd say number one is timing, right? So how is your timing in the market? So just to take Airbnb, for example, why did Airbnb explode? Well, a lot of people will tell you it's because the housing crisis in 08, right? And so, and because it was people needed extra cash and it was, and so it just, it's, so if you look at sort of, and so then that was great timing for the short-term rental industry in particular. So let's just say that, right? So if you think to yourself, okay, our company's got, our timing's good. We've got a place in the market. We've, we've wedged a spot in there and our timing is right. If that is the case, and if that's actually only the case, like if you have a co- couple of corollaries, like if you've got some, if you're, if you're really proud of the people that you work with, I, I'm so proud of the people I work with. I, they're fabulous and amazing and brilliant. And if your product is really good and, and that all that stuff, right? Here's the one piece of advice. If those sort of things are happening, you're going to get your ass kicked. That is a fact. There are going to be in the course of a four-year period, 37 times when you're going to go to your partner, in my case, my beautiful wife, and I'm ahead and, and I can't do this anymore. And, and I am. And your only choice is to just get up and go again. This is not, you know, the, the, the reason why this is not, the reason why this isn't easy, the reason why, you know, there, there would be more Uber drivers, right? If this was easy is kind of the line, right? In San Francisco, at least it, it's the reason why is because it takes a mental fortitude and a, and a conviction and a confidence in your product that I don't know whether I could have done it alone. Truth be told, but I had my wife. Telling me to, to shut up and keep going. And I had my my co founder and my co founders, Ben and Commission, and Jen and Noel, and all these folks continually telling me, just you've got to keep going. And so, and that's it. That's really it. Because I think it, it, at the end of the day, if your product makes sense and if it's good and you've got an awesome product and we do, then it's a war of attrition at some point. Like it's just, you've just got to keep battling through it. So, That's the number one piece of advice. If you believe in this product, just keep going because eventually it's going to, it's going to get to a point that, that, you know, I, you know, that you're going not, not, not be proud of, because I think one of the things about that's hard about being a founder is that you, and I think I mentioned this Mm -hmm. to you, it's really hard to see your success. It's hard to see the forest through the trees. Right. So it's, you're so like into it, you know, and, And this is a reason why our, we have a fabulous new CEO, David, who came in and we can talk about him Mm -hmm. later, but like, that was why it was so important that he came in that we got these extra set of eyeballs on what we were doing to be able to say like, Hey, you guys are doing really great work and you've done great. But these are the things that are missing that we need to, we need to interject. Mm -hmm. Right. We need to do. And so I think that's, so I I think it's like, you've got, there's gotta be blind faith Mm -hmm. in a way because you're not going to necessarily always see the progress unless you kind of take that moment to, to, to look at the past and see where you are, but you know, so I just blind faith and keep going (laughs) like, and you know, I, and I always, I'm always like, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm in a, we're in a position necessarily where we, where our timing isn't right and things like Mm -hmm. that. So I think at the same time, there has to be, you've got to be really honest with yourself right you know something could be really passionate and you could love something but it might not be right and you can take that passion and put it into a project that maybe is more right i don't mm-hmm. know for our case I, I i feel like what i get from my wife all the time is you built this thing this you guys have built an incredible thing you cannot stop mm-hmm. you cannot stop so it's hard Hundred percent. It's hard because sometimes you just you just want to go. You want to go to night. You know, <laughs> Well, I take a nap. <laughs> yeah, I take a nap right here. Yeah. yeah. No,
0: this is so true. And I'm just you're the whole like everything you're saying right now is so applicable. And I'm reflecting on previous episodes with other founders. You know, Jonathan from Topkey just had him on, and his, his great
1: love his, that guy, great
0: guy, great founder. And the number one thing I've heard is. A lot of people a in this space or in this industry don't get into it on purpose. And if they do, it's kind of a stumble. That's and then so true. when they do get started and the timing's right, the product is good, and then the team is there to support and be, you know, like you said, brilliant, amazing, just incredible, the backbone of the business, that you're kind of in this moment where you get so much done in a year, six months, a month. And then you look up after a grind and you think like, Oh man, we we haven't accomplished this. We're not, we're not there yet. And then you look up for a second and go, Holy shit. We actually accomplished in three months what most people get done in two years, three years. And so the, the speed that you move at is so fast. I think we get so acclimated to it that it feels slow, but in all reality, (laughs) our friends our family are like holy shit like what like i get that comment all the time from my friends here in denver they're like hey we haven't you know we haven't caught up in a while and i was like oh yeah it's been like a month right and they're like no it's been like three months and we haven't had a beer and we haven't hung out And i'm like oh okay nice good to know and they're like what's going on and then i tell them they're like what you did that in three months and it's yeah, like cool. yeah, yeah, yeah so like just so normal <laughs> that when we come up for air it's kind of refreshing because i think there's those moments like you said when you just want to pull your head out right or your hair out and just go like oh i just want to take a nap i want to go to sleep i want to have time i want to go on vacation i want to have that first class flight to the maldives and you look up and then you're like oh okay we did get a ton done so like i need to to i I don't know i have the number one i want to know for you too i have these moments right where i like last week i'll say from last week i recovered from being sick after travel net and then just felt dialed in with the team. Ginny and I were just killing it. The team was executing and going above and beyond and taking an initiative in certain a- in certain aspects and areas. And I just felt so good. And that was like, this is going to fuel me for the next sprint of conferences and getting all the way through the new year, basically. Because there's a plan, there's execution. So not to hog the mic, but basically with you, when do you get those dialed in moments that really carry you through? Because like you said, like there's 47 times and throughout the the duration of your journey that you're like, ah, I just want to, you know, I want to give up. Or maybe like there was a time for my journey that I was like, maybe this business isn't a full-time business. Maybe this is a part-time thing and I need to figure out what to do with the other half of my time, which again, it was just being early and being the only one in the market and all this other stuff. Right. But like, anyways, I'm rambling. I would love to know like what you're not rambling.
1: (laughs) And I think, well, look, dude, I mean, I think, I, I think you speak from a place of, of, you know, I mean, you've had a lot of growth. You've had a lot of growth, and I think that there is, you know, the podcast that people in this industry want to be in, and you started this thing from nothing. I don't want this to be a, a makeout fest, but it, it is like I do think it's important, right, to to, to mark your success. Yeah, it's really exactly. important. It's hard to do. So you're to your what what are some of those things that fuel me for me. Mm-hmm. It's when we have certain like intake meetings or, or, or all hands meetings where you kind of see the rest of the company doing their thing. Mm. Also, you get so sort of siloed, I think, within your department sometimes. And, and I think early on in, in, in startup, you kind of have your hands everywhere. And I think as you start to grow up a little bit. Departments have their jobs, and and so for me, I think when I start to see all of the things that that are, that CTO commission is doing, and engineering and, and product are doing, right, and how like the road, like how much progress we've made in that, right? It's like I learned recently that I always kind of thought, well, bookings are just kind of like random, a little bit, like you just kind of gotta hold someone find you and then, you know book stuff. And what I've learned, uh, and this was a big massive part of what David did when he came in, was that there are certain things that you can do in the user experience and the product and all these things that, that increase bookings, right? And increase sort of your visibility in the traveler experience. And we've almost kind of created this like secret sauce a little bit where it's like we've kind of. I don't want to say figured something mm-hmm. out, but, but we've, we're, it's like, we've got an idea of how to make a hyper growth happen on conversion mm-hmm. side. And so when I'm hearing all of that stuff happening, and really my focus and my team's focus is onboarding as, as many PMCs as we can and connecting with as many uh, PMSs and channel managers as we can so that we can connect those. And then that's kind of what your focus is. And it's never fast enough. It's never fast enough. Yeah. And then you see that, you know, what what product and technology and and engineering and and, and marketing and account management, our account management team is incredible, Jen. And so when you kind of start to see those sort of things happening a little bit more, it's like, holy shit, like, like this is not, we're not fucking around. Like we're, we're here to take over the world and so and i think that really that like i so i could use an all hands maybe not every yeah. week but like once a month at the very least you know where it's like hey dudes like this is what we're doing and this is what's coming down the pike and and you know here's what we've got in our sprints you know you know they send out Chital sends out these these sprint emails i never look at them <laughs> i never look at them. i'm just like yeah there's a lot of shit there that i don't know <laughs> So like basically that, but, but I do look at it and I do say that's a lot of stuff that we are doing and there's enough people replying back being like, yeah, this is awesome that I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. So yeah, I think that's, you know, I, I think it's, you know, a little bit from the outside helps. Yeah. You yeah.
0: Know? Well, there's, okay. So I love how you've encompassed all of this and.
1: there's my <laughs> nine-year mouth, by the way, I'm just going to.
0: Yeah, out. I'm going yeah. to go blur that one out. We don't we do not support that team over oh. here. Just kidding. Okay, so we've covered in the last 20 something minutes a lot of your journey and founderism basically is what I call it. What is what is Day? because is it
1: I a disease founderism
0: it's like a disease. 100% founderology. <laughs> founderology. Right. So to to maybe share some context on Day. So Ginny, who is my COO at Hospitality FM, right she's amazing and Love. just awesome human. So she came out, we were in prep of the kind of public launch here and she booked a place downtown Denver and she goes, Hey, I've actually booked on Wednesday and it was a great experience. I got direct info for the property. Everything was smooth. It was actually a really good user experience. And obviously I knew of you, you and I've met at VRMA and other conferences and kind of chit chatted and, and shot the shit a little bit, but you know, never actually using the product myself, never knowing specifically out the gate, like, okay, like who's on the platform? What is it like? da 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 da, da You know, going through all that stuff. It got me really intrigued, especially because she is a product and a brand nerd. So she like, normally would be like, Hey, I'm going to pick up, pick apart things. And she had a really good experience all in all. And so, happy and she stayed with a great, a great property manager. So having those two combos, I think was really important. So what is Wimstay from the ideation part where you and your co-founders got together and like, Hey, this is the idea that we want to create the hotel tonight of short-term rentals to where you are today and where you guys see yourselves going. Cause I know there was some capital raise. Now you have a new CEO. Like there's, there's a whole life that's already happened within this business as well. So kind of for the listener's sake, let's, let's go into that. And then I'm going to poke and prod and some other areas of conversation
1: yeah I, I i think that from the very beginning it was from us from our perspective so just so you kind of know how it started my my business partner uh, and co-founder ben has had seen a ton of success uh, in his own tech sort of life he's he went to stanford at fourteen, teams and you know, like a, kind of one of those one of those types and started a, a company that sold the Bank of America when he was 21. And just through a, a, a number of different sort of exits through tech. And so he, he's a little bit later on in life, he decided he wanted to just get a couple of homes, a home in Tahoe, a home in Maui, right? And he wanted to rent those out. And he's got that sort of business mind. That's, that's, I think very hungry business mind. And, and I think always kind of working. And he realized, well, I've got these two homes. And when it comes down to the last minute, I can't, there's like, I can't do anything. I can, I can add a discount, but I'm still just hoping that somebody sees discount. Like that's it. And hope is not a strategy, right? So, so he thought, well, that just seems silly. And that's absurd in this market, considering how big this, this industry is, we should probably build something. So that was kind of the iteration. That was the ideation. And and so it came from a need, right? Came from a personal need from Ben. And then we started to build it out. And then we realized as sort of more of us came on, right? That there's two aspects to this. There's the property manager and then there's the traveler. And so if we can create a win win, any win win in any market is is a good thing, right? So my focus is always on the property manager. Always. Always. It's just how I I function in it. And I am just so embedded within this sort of idea. I want to be able to help them in so many different ways and, and to allow them the opportunity to fill off nights that otherwise are going to go unsold to get them incremental revenue to me is very, very attractive. If you were to go and talk to, to Noel, who is our CMO and she deals a lot on the traveler side, then she'll tell you as a traveler herself, right? this is a massive win because she's always traveling spontaneously, right? And so for her to be able to get any type of vacation rental at a really great price last minute to her is, is, is gold. So, so we had this win-win, right? So then I think at that point, it really is about now what do we as a company need to do in order to amplify both sides of those wins? What you just said about Jenny, it just, it, it, to me, it, I love, I love her. She's, if we're goofy, I don't know what the hell she is. So it's like, you know, but for her to be able to have a a traveler experience, right? Flawless. Okay. Is to us so really important. And that's, I have to emphasize some of the really awesome things that David has done as he's come in. And that's, I think really sort of emphasizing the user experience and making it a sticky experience for them. On the, on the, the property manager side, on our side, right? I have this, we have this mentality on the, on the sales side, on the, on the acquisition side, the, the the supply acquisition side, that direct bookings are a really, really important part of this industry growing. And the reason why, and this is coming from somebody who's founded a channel, right? But the reason why is because there's that gap. I think Forbes recently had it that the gap is now like 4% between hotels and short-term rentals, right? So that, that gap is closing dramatically. How are we going to not only close that gap but start to overtake? Well, one of the things that we need to make sure we're doing as an industry is that we are matching what people are expecting on hotels, right? We have got to have that sort of sense of what makes us not only we've got to match what hotels are doing, right? But we've got to go, we've got to up it. And so we have as an industry have this really beautiful, I think, thing in place. And that is we can be very, very local, right? So if I am in if I am in Oregon, Bedford, Oregon, I don't is that even a thing? I just made that up. I don't even know.
0: I I, I used to live in Oregon. I, mean, I have no idea though.
1: But let's just say that there's that place called Bedford, <laughs> there's like a Medford. Yeah, there's right? a
0: Medford, I think.
1: But let's say there's a place called Bedford Morgan. Let's say there's a brewery here and that brewery makes really good IPAs. Mm. That feels like a 50 percent right? So if I'm, if I'm the property manager, I want to have, I want to provide those, a, a sick pack of those IPAs in the fridge when people get there, right? Or the coffee or whatever it is, right? So if we are, uh, so if, if and I, there's a whole, there's a point a method to this blabbering madness, that if we can, if property managers are focusing on getting direct bookings, focusing on that, right? That raises everybody's game. And if everybody's game is raised, then travelers are going to say that I just had an incredible experience based on the fact that the property manager works really, really hard to bring me back as a direct booking the next time. So I had a really incredible experience. I ain't going back to hotels anymore. Right. We do that enough times. That 4% goes this way. Right. So for us, a really big part of that has always been let's give property managers all the travelers' information fully, totally, completely unencrypted. Let's give that to them. Let's allow them to market to that traveler a little bit. Let's allow them, and we'll say, you know what? We're we're a traveler acquisition. Our five percent commission is a traveler acquisition fee, no more, no less. Right? We're not afraid that we're going to lose clients. We all we there are always people that are just going to go to, to OTAs and channels. That's always going to be the case. There are mil- There is enough for everybody. There is enough for everybody. This kind of I think this scarcity mentality, I think, kind of tends to pervade things. We don't have to feel that way. We can be abundant. There is abundance. There is, every, like, there is enough for everybody. And so we feel like if we can do those two types of things, have an incredible traveler experience and then have an incredible property manager experience, how can we win? Like, how can't we win? And then how can not everybody win? And I know that it sounds kumbaya, but why can't that be the case in a, in a business? Why, right? I, you know, I, I just, I find that if everybody is, is fired up about something, I think it in the long-term effect of it is that it, I don't know, it just, it provides a lot for a lot of different people and can be a really good thing. And so that's kind of what our mentality is. All right. So you're
0: trying to grow your portfolio and your property management business, but sometimes owners don't have the best peace of mind when it comes to giving up the keys to their home, to an unknown brand or company. And of course, let's be honest. Sometimes We hear the horror stories of guests and the bad guests that stay in vacation rentals and throw parties. Well, safely as you covered, because not only do they screen your guests that are staying, but they also ensure that you are covered from all things such as ill intent, stupidity, AKA vacation brain, and other things like pet damage and theft. While doing that, you are able to partner with Vintory and grow your portfolio with their marketing platform that helps ensure that you are attracting the right owners to your rental program and growing your business in the destination that you are in. Or if you're in multiple destinations, that works too. So get the links in the show notes because both companies have special offers. If you don't use a link, but you end up talking to them, guess what? Just tell them that Will Slicker sent you from Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, and they'll get you covered. And you can also let them know that maybe you've heard of them on our platform, hospitality.fm. So, of course, like always, make sure you grab the links in the show notes. And thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, back to the episode. Yeah. And I think there, you know, I had this conversation with somebody, and I think you'll agree with this in the sense of, I, especially when companies, like, let's say they, they put their company ethos on the wall and their mission statement, all this stuff, right? But then, like you see, the opposite behavior within the team, or the CEO, or the founder, or or whatever. And I had this conversation because our core values and ethos, and all the things that we say as a company internally to our clients, to partners X, Y, and Z, isn't just because it's our company values; it's our personal values. Like we live this personally. Uh, One of the values I would love bringing up is one of the hardest ones. I think I struggle with the most, but it's the most like resonant. Value that we have is to have the hard conversations, no matter how much the financial or the the impact of that conversation can financially benefit or harm us. Right. And that's the same conversation or same ethos I have in my personal life with friends, with family, with, you know, a relationship, like having the hard conversations, no matter how scary the outcome or positive the outcome could be. And so I, I agree with you, like the win wins don't have to be a win Win for just business, it can have a personal impact and it could be something that's not a separation. And so I love that you guys are mentioning that. And you know, as a channel, I, I think you mentioned hotels, right? So like the experience that guests have on hotels versus booking direct with a vacation rental manager or booking on maybe a crappy OTA that just is barely spun up. It's not really a, a built out thing. It's kind of a copy and paste model. That user experience, there's a reason why you mentioned Hotel Tonight was acquired. There's a reason why Airbnb is how big it is. And there's a reason why Ginny had the great experience that she did on Wednesday is because I think when the product's super easy to use and it doesn't take this crazy, ugly UX, UI type of feel, that can really make the difference. And I want to introduce you to this guy, if you haven't already met him already, his name is Zach Cruz. He's the host of Behind the Stays podcast. He basically was on the show and we talked about this experience, right? Like why is our booking experience so shitty in the industry to where we, there's tons of capital that has flowed into the industry. There's all these things that have happened and yet we still have a horrible booking experience for our vacation homes. This makes no sense. Why it makes like, that should be something that should be at the forefront. And it sounds like from Jenny's experience of what you guys are building that that's a core
1: focus. Well, I'm I'm actually here to tell you this, um, and I've listened to Zach's uh, podcast before, so I would love to meet him. But I, I would tell you from experience that it it increases bookings. Just, and I and and I was shocked to know that, to be honest, right? But I think that people think, oh well, a traveler's gotten to the site, and uh, and they're and you know we've got them. No, you don't, right? There's a lot to be said about stickiness, right? How important is stickiness? And I think everybody knows. I, so I do think that 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 we put such an emphasis, I think, on, on that and a, lo- a lot of other things within sort of product and 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 how to kind of sharpen that up a little bit and and I think amplify and highlight. You know, I think what's what's good about what we're doing. I think all those things combined. Again, I, I sort of used the word secret sauce before and and but that's really kind of what we've got and, and you know our, our products and engineering team are kind of in this mode right now you know and so and i'm in this mode <laughs> i gotta get more on the platform yeah. on and so you know, gotta meet the, i have to meet the demand i have to meet the demand mm-hmm. oh god so you know but there's there's a lot to be said about it right there's a lot to be said about it it increases your bookings mm-hmm. that's it it does you know it increases the opportunity for that person to come back again it's massive massive and i wouldn't have known that 100 i just wouldn't have
0: well, I, I'm you know? curious. I, I got to ask this question to Sam Shank, who for the listeners is the co-founder CEO or was the CEO of hotel tonight, which was acquired by Airbnb, I think for like 400 million or something like that. Like it was a crazy, crazy yeah. amount. And, you know, I asked him cause they built, you know, hotel tonight within 10 weeks and obviously tons of iterations and V, you know, version hundred versus V one, right. is probably completely different, but as you guys are building the product, you know, there's two, like you've mentioned, there's two sides of the marketplace. And I wonder how, you know, to me, it's already hard enough to get booked direct or get direct bookings within our property management company. I know plenty of other companies that have been around a lot longer, it builds up over time. So it's like, I think time's on your side, the more you invest in it, the more you push it, obviously it's going to happen. But you guys are targeting a specific user group which is like the kind of the last minute stay like oh i need to travel tonight for work or tomorrow or whatever The kind of like last minute booking window how do you guys balance the supply of inventory obviously like that's really important to have stuff for people to book on but then getting the user the traveler to really kind of one discover you but then also get comfortable with the side of like okay, like I'm booking on an OTA that isn't Airbnb, not that they know the word OTA or term, most likely they don't, but a channel like Airbnb, but not Airbnb. So like, I guess what's the internal conversation around this two-sided marketplace?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, you, know, you have to give a lot of credit to, to our marketing team and, and the B2C side I and mean, what we've been able to do on that, on that front. And the, a lot of, you know, I don't know what the impact is of branding, I'm a sucker for branding. Yeah, you and me both. We start agreeing all the time that I'll go to a grocery store and if it looks like artisanal peanut butter, I'm buying it, right? If it looks like it came from some guy's backyard, I'm like, oh, that's got to be good peanut butter. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's probably Jiffy just under a glass bottle. I don't know, right? So, so I'm a sucker for branding. That makes me believe a lot of other people are a sucker for branding. Um, we have this beautiful tagline, "Seize the Stay," which I, I I adore, and I think that and I think that that enough people start to see what that means and what that is, and I think it, it just it makes sense for them. We've had some really important partnerships. I don't want to get too much into. Yeah. I can't get too much into really, but uh, one of them, Google, was a really great partnership for us. They approached us, they saw what we were doing, they saw the impact of what we were doing. So that you know, those kinds of partnerships are always really really important. I think to kind of get in the brand out a little bit. But most of what, most of what we've done, most of our growth, I think that last I saw, and again, I hate to give like percentages, right? Because sometimes they're wrong, but you know, around the 300% increase in bookings year to Mm date, right? And that's attributable, in my opinion, to a lot of the great marketing that we've done, what I think is really good branding. And then in addition to that, what's, what that kind of secret sauce that I was talking about a little bit. So. That those types of things, right, and then I think, as we grow, we can start to amplify it a lot more and really start to get to get in front of people and say, "Look, like we're we're legitimate, we're valid. What we are doing is make sense in the market and make sense for now. look like we, at the very beginning of this thing, you talked about you talked about sort of where the industry is in terms of of booking pace versus booking yeah, window 100%. right get into Let's it do now because I think that's yeah. okay. So I mean I think that every property manager is is feeling feeling it a little bit because booking pace is has slowed down considerably, and I think it's slowed down considerably from the perspective of 2020 and 2021 where it was just these astronomically high numbers, right? And so and there are a lot of owners that got into it around that yeah. time, obviously, right? Because they were like, well, look at all this money coming in. I'm going to go buy my second house before I buy my first house. And then I'm going to rent that out. And I'm, I'm going to make millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, and Then you give that to a property manager. And then 2020 and 2021, and then even parts of 2022. Well, it doesn't look the same way in 2023 because there's been a regression to the yeah. mean. But the mean has been raised. The mean has been raised. Let's be very clear. Like there are more bookings now than there were 2018, right? 2019. But there are less than there were in 2020 and 2021. So- Those booking paces are down. The booking windows, however, are squeezed. So when maybe a lot of property managers are saying, well, it's May and July is normally booked out right now and it's not, and that's scary and I get it, right? But a lot of those July months we are finding are now starting to get booked out in July, Mm -hmm. June maybe, right? And so this is kind of a trend. Again, this goes back to the timing thing, right? Where we feel really, really good about where we are on timing. Now, how long is that going to play itself out? We don't know. We have no clue. This could go back to to a stronger booking pace. My guess is these numbers are all going to go up. I think that there are some people out there that are always going to, to book spontaneously. I think that if you look at this post-COVID world where, you know, you know a lot of us thought that the the digital nomad thing would die yeah. out, right? It hasn't, it hasn't. And so, yeah, there are a lot of offices that are requiring people to come back, but there are also a bunch that aren't. And so that's a big part of our of our customer base of so those digital nomads who are who are sitting in, you know, they're in Nashville and they're like, I think I want to go to Myrtle Beach on, on Friday and stay there for thirty days. So you know, so anyways, it's just that's it. It's just our landscape is changing. How do we adapt? Adapting's hard because the old way is easy and change is. Can be a challenge and but we are changing as an industry and in a massive way hospitality in general is changing i think we can all agree on that and so how do we kind of adapt to that is really really important and that's something that we are we're focusing on all the time over here mm-hmm. right so and i think that will you've got a podcast in an industry at a time that to me you could not have a better time to be doing what you got what you're mm-hmm. doing yeah i just don't think you can i don't I think that we're on to something here. I think that we're on the you know, you talked about this at the beginning where it's an it's it's an ancient industry in some yeah. ways, but it's also it's also Airbnb, right? And and what's happened since then. We're still on the on-ramp to this sucker, man. Like this we are very, very we are we are in the first or second inning of this thing. So there's a lot for us to know and to learn and to adapt to. Travelers are finding us. Last thing I'm gonna say, and I'm I am rambling because i've had i love
0: it i love it
1: yeah but uh, last thing i'll say about this is i was talking to my niece and she was off to europe she was doing that sort of post-college europe trip and i thought well okay you know because i'm Ancient 47. And I was like, Oh, so do you, you know, do you have your hostels? I'm in the, I'm in, I'm in the short term rental industry. Let's be very clear. I'm like, Did you figure out what hostels in Paris you're staying? She's like, Hostels? Are you insane? I I was like, Oh, you're staying in hotels? Hotels? Are you insane? No, staying in short term rentals. And so, um, I probably should have led with that considering what I do, but like, so that whole, that whole generation, right? Millennials, Gen Z, Gen X, they don't want to go to hotels. They want to experience the local life. They're a very different breed of, of travelers, and that's what's coming down the pike. So how do we adapt to them? Their behaviors, right? Their sort of wants, their needs, their booking windows, right? Yeah, there's a lot of really, really, really cool stuff, you know, happening in this industry. And I think if people are, are feeling can they can be adaptable, everybody's going to feel really, really successful in the next couple, couple of years, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And there's so, oh, man, you gave me so many golden nuggets. I love it. But, uh, this, this whole thing with pre COVID during COVID post COVID, you know, travel trends and data and booking windows and all this other stuff, you know, I'm, 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 probably one of the outliers during COVID I did travel like early 2020 days one I was active on the national guard. So I had to move and do all this other stuff and do test sites and blah, blah, blah. But after I got out, I was on planes. I was, I'm like, I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to go to Florida. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to like, I want to like one, it was cheap. They were all last minute decisions. I was I think seeing somebody in San Diego. So I was like, I want to fly to San Diego this weekend. Cause I have no other, I think I was saying, yeah. I do not well, remember. I, I remember, but it was a like situation where. Yeah. Anyways, long story short, you know, like I was, okay. I was traveling, but I know a lot of the world did hunker down. A lo- majority of the population did say, I'm not traveling. I'm not going, I'm working remote. I'm again, being flexible doing maybe a staycation, a drive to location type situation. Obviously that was huge. Now this type of crazy summer that we've had, a lot of people are like, "What the heck? Where's my bookings? Why is my summer not full? Why am I this? Why am I that?" That's because they're going out to Europe. They're doing the thing that they never, never that, they never world. got to do. Maybe yeah, yeah. You know, but it's gonna normalize, I think. The the Absolutely. bottom will fall out the investors and lauren Maidwell with auntie bellum's cabin rentals said this on her
1: episode was you know one of my favorite human beings in the world amazing
0: she's like uh, i can't amazing. wait to, to hang out there in person she you know was just talking about these investors right that get into you know short-term rentals and then they expect all these numbers but yet they don't understand hospitality they don't understand you know investment right. in the property continues post purchase and you know there's a whole thing right. that we can go into but you're 100 percent right you know The, I think the one thing that's never going to change as humans, we're always going to have that on a whim. I want to go travel. I want to, I want to do this thing. I want to go to Europe and I'm going to stay in a short term rental. And not to mention, like, I know we've talked about Airbnb and other, you know, platforms and channels throughout this episode, but I'm listening to pretty much every episode Brian Chesky has been doing on his kind of podcast sprint right now. He was on uh, Armchair Expert to now Diary of a CEO and a bunch of these other bigger podcasts. And one of the things for me, as I keep hearing him, you know, kind of talk about is people want to feel at home. And one of his things growing up, he never felt at home. He was small. He was kind of the weird kid that ne- never really fit in. So why was he so infatuated with design? Cause he wanted to create a world where he felt at home, hence why it makes sense on the creation of Airbnb and the experience and how it is living like a local type situation where your niece is probably like, Hey, I don't want to stay in a hotel where it's small. And I have this staff that's like running around and doing all this stuff. Like I want to feel at home while I'm traveling and experiencing something new. So like this whole thing is, it's not going to go away. I have a lot of people that kind of don't really know what I do. They understand it's podcasting and travel and short term rentals, but they think I'm like telling people how to get the best hotel deals or something like that, which is complete opposite. But They'll be like, oh, well, isn't isn't Airbnb kind of like dead and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, Airbnb to you is a platform. Airbnb to me is an industry that's really called vacation rentals, short-term rentals, whatever we want to call it. And it's it's a broader world. You're seeing the surface of the iceberg and I'm seeing the whole iceberg under the water and yeah, all this other stuff. So as I'm rambling for this, I guess, like final thought is that, you know, it's not going to go away. The companies like you who are early building good product building good team It's there's i have this one mentor who says this who said this quote to me and it just it's always resonated as i've kind of been like through that moment of like pulling my hair out to then like yes i'm really happy like we're we're doing great things and it's the right people and doing the right thing at the right time building a great product and i think like that combination of what you guys are doing it sounds like that's the secret sauce. Like, right? Like, if we're going to define the secret sauce at the end of this episode, it's the right people building the right product, doing the right thing at the right time. So, oh. I think, yeah, oh.
1: Oh, I got chills. I got chills. Ooh. I got chills. Woo! The mic just caught on fire. I was kidding. <laughs> look, but it's. But it, look, I mean, I get chills when truth happens, and so uh, that was that was an obnoxious thing I just said, but it, it's true. Like, it, it's you know when something resonates, and I think that's that's absolutely right right? That's absolutely right. I think that everybody can hang their hat. Everybody in this industry can hang their hat on timing. I do. I honestly believe that. So, whether you know, I can't. everyone can hang their hat on a great product or great whatever or great people, but everybody can start as their baseline. Okay. If I am in the short-term rental industry, timing is good. Um, and that's a great place to start because the other stuff you can kind of figure out and fix. Timing, you can't, right? Timing is just a natural, organic process of of the universe and and society and blah yeah. blah. So you know we so we we've got that baseline, right? We've got that baseline, and so I think it's something for people maybe to to build off of it
0: if they want. Agreed. To. Well, you mentioned so you know we're still in the first second inning of this game of you know short term rentals and hospitality. Where do you guys see Wednesday going by the ninth inning? And do we, you know, where do you, where is the future looking? I know um, it can be super hard to think that far ahead. I know for me, my business is constantly changing and we're constantly expanding on different thoughts and ideas that weren't the same thoughts I had or ideas two years ago when we started the network. And when I started the podcast five years ago, so like it's constantly changing, but I won't hold you to it. But today where Alex is sitting, looking at Wednesday, looking at the industry, where do you go?
1: There's always like a fine line, right? Because you want, you you need to have these goals to shoot to, but at the same time, you've got to be, you've got to really be not only focused on, but really embracing and loving what's happening. Here's what I, what I suspect number one, international. That's number one for us. We know that our product will thrive in Europe. We don't think it, we know it. We see the data, we see the numbers, we talk to people over there. And so for us. Uh, we need to make sure that we've really figured this thing out. And we're, we're right now, we're live in Canada, the United States, and, and, and Mexico, Latin America. And so, for us to be able to build a product that feels so robust, we could just clone that sucker and take it over into Europe, into Asia, to Australia, right? So, that's a, a massive part of our roadmap over the course of the next year. I, I don't want to put timing on that because I don't know if it's the next year. We just know it's, it's it's something that we know is really, really important. For us to be an incremental tool, right? We don't necessarily need to be Airbnb and Verbo. We don't. What we really need to be and want to be is something that is a necessary arrow in the quiver, right? So you've got Airbnb and Verbo doing those 30 and 60 and 90 and 120 and all those things, and they're going out here. Then just allow us to be this, you know, this thing that takes care of these orphan nights and these 29 days and, and, you know, filling in here and filling in there and increasing incremental revenue and incremental travelers to us, then we become a necessary part of what you're doing, right? If we can become from the property manager's perspective, a necessary component to driving revenue and new travelers, which we, we, that's exactly what our plan is. That's what we're doing now. No reason we are not going to be that. We are going to be that. We are going to be that. So I think that we are going to be that. And so that's kind of where we function, I think. I'm trying to use a, trying to think of like a a sports analogy, you know, like a quarterback has an outlet a little bit, like, I don't want to say that we're, you know, but an outlet can, can get you a 20 or 30 yard gain. And so to us to be something that is, you know, that I think supplements what they are doing in a really, I I think uh, impactful way. So that's. On that side, on the on the supply side. And then on the on the traveler side, an app in everybody's phone. I mean, yeah, just, you know. And what does travel look like in the next ten years? We can't even fathom, Will. It's we can't fathom what it looked like in the next ten years. There is a you know, the internet and, and, and social media and all of these things, it's they've got its faults and there's a lot of everything is weird <laughs> and bananas. But like but one thing it has done is it has made us all together and globalized in one. I can talk to somebody in Australia or communicate with them like this. And so, and you can travel and do all those things and, and, and see the world in a way that you just couldn't before. And so what's it going to look like in 10 years? So for us to be a really an integral part of what we think is going to be an incredible traveler movement in the next 10 years. uh, And, and I think what our industry is going to be in the next 10 years, I mean, I, I'd I honestly believe buckle your seatbelts. I really worry, really do, because I just I think that we're dealing with something that is, as sort of this thing goes this way, we're meeting, it's like our industry meets mm.
0: where the world is going, in my opinion. I love it. And earlier, you kind of mentioned, this is just founder to founder. I, I think a lot of our listeners on this podcast are founders, are entrepreneurs. They've built something and they are building something. They've been successful. They've had the 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 eat shit moments they've had the the failures they've had a lot of this um founder to founder how do you for you personally how do you make sure that you're enjoying the process or the 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 current moment especially when you go through these times of head down focus build and then you come up for air and you're like oh wow we got so much done in like the last year or six months or however long it is how do you enjoy the moment where's where's what grounds you in in kind of some of this um building phases and and of course all the the stuff we talked about
1: It takes work and, and because, you know, the mind will default to what's wrong. And the reason the mind defaults to what's wrong is because that's, it's fight or flight, right? It's looking for what can I, how can I protect myself? And so I think the first thing that the mind will always do is say, this is not enough. I need more than what I currently have. And the fact of the matter is, is that you don't. And so I do think a spiritual practice, whatever that means for you, if it means prayer, if it means going to church, if it means whatever, for me, it's, it's adaptation and reading about non-duality and those things. That to me is really, really important because what it does is it allows you to sit in just being for a moment. And it's really important to do that and to watch thoughts as they kind of go by. And if you are able to, I think, passively be a witness to your thoughts and your feelings, if you can do that as a practice for 10 or 15 minutes every single day of your life, then those things that are normally like, this is not the way that it's supposed to look. Those things become a little bit more fleeting. You can watch them. And if you watch something, you watch a thought, I don't like the way that this is happening right now, even though if something is happening, that's what's happening. So if this thing is like, I don't like the way that this is happening right now, then if you can be a witness to that, that thing doesn't have any power and it tends to dissolve a little bit. And so I think whatever spirituality or faith or whatever those things are, whatever they mean to you, I think that's really, really, really important to be grounded to sort of be a witness to your thoughts and your feelings a little bit more. Read some of those books. You know, I Am That by Gadatta is one of my favorites. And uh, Power of Now by Eckhart is a really popular one. And I know Andrew McConnell talks a lot about the Stoics. I think they're really great. And so it's like those types of things, I think, are really, really important to understanding one thing. And that is this. What is happening is exactly what is supposed to be happening. That's it. So there's that part of you that's going to resist what's happening. I don't like the way this is happening. I don't like what's happening in the world and I don't like what's happening at work. The full acceptance of what is happening actually drives you to, to, to I think, to, to a lot more. So that's kind of my little pop pop spirituality <laughs> psychology i love
0: it i love it awesome. yeah i never i never really talked about that stuff much on the show just because again like there's so many people that listen from different backgrounds and like you said faiths and spiritualities and beliefs and one thing i i I think has always been really good for me is like i i use prayer as a, my way to talk to god and i use meditation as my way to Beautiful. hear god right like i think there's a the, there's two way, yeah, two-way communication it. whether it's observing it. your thoughts yeah there's all that stuff so i, I love
1: what you just said i yeah, love it it's uh yeah it's great. So, Alex, look. I mean, here's the other thing. Here's yeah. the other thing, and this is I'm gonna woo on you, so <laughs> I need a little wooey. But how you perceive the world is how the world's gonna show up. Just point blank. If you perceive the world as I'm a victim to this world and all this, then you're just gonna create scenarios where you're more of a victim, and that's just that's just the reality of it. If you if it's so it's so Oprah to be like attitude of gratitude will make you great. But making a gratitude list is something I did for a really long time, and it it changed sort of how I viewed the world. If you can change how you view the world, so if you're looking at the world as as this is a gift, you know, me breaking my arm right now is a gift, right? You know, so what I can look at a thousand instances in in the Wednesday sort of iteration where I was like, "How's this happening right now? This is horrible," right? And and it turns out. Five years later, if that didn't happen, two years later, if that didn't happen, we aren't where we are, right? So, if you can just constantly say, "Yeah, you know, that what is happening," if you can be grateful for it, if you can look at it from that perspective, then that's the reality that you're going to create for yourself—one where you're going to continually be grateful. So, and however that does it—meditation, prayer, church, mm-hmm. whatever it is, whatever it is, and your thing, hearing and then listening—I love that, yeah. Will. I love it. Well. Uh- I think that's I think that shit's really important. Hundred well, percent. I yeah, not to
0: continue to drag on the conversation, but you know, there's a, I don't know if you ever watched the Tony Robbins documentary back in the day on Netflix uh, that I'm Not Your Guru. He he, he basically has this moment with this girl, right, where he talks about her dad and her relationship with him and how horrible it is, and he goes, "It's not horrible. It's what made you who you are today. Like you need to be thankful for the shit." the shit has made you today and the greatness is great. And the shit is also great. Like you just need to accept that. Like without the, like I always use my story, like without going through what I went through in high school where I was homeless and I was on drugs and I was pretty much burning every bridge I ever had that, like I, could look at that and be like oh that was a horrible time of my life i never want to think about it again i want to be here i want to be where i'm at and you know without that stuff it's just super, more, more, more i know we could probably do another episode on this so i definitely alex thank you so much man for for being on the podcast this is way better than I could have ever imagined it, knowing our B conversation at tracks and as conference, So
1: I just want to say thank you for being on the show. No one will ever know what our B conversation is. No one will ever If you know.
0: find us at Verma or VRMA, come up and ask and we'll we'll maybe let you know, depending how How many drinks or beers we've had, but no, seriously, thank you so much for being on the show and for all the listeners. I love you, brother.
1: I really appreciate it. And
0: uh, this, of course, yes, and right back at you, man. And listeners, if you want to get to know Alex more, get to hear more about Wimstay, check out the show notes. Make sure you're liking and subscribing, doing all the stuff because I have a I have a really good feeling that this is a company and a group of people that you're going to want to watch and and continue to hear the story as it unfolds in front of us. So thank you, Alex, once again, and for all the listeners, we'll see you again. Next week. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, possible. We hope you enjoy the show, and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So, you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content, or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.